Ah, uh, where the hell is Brad? It's only the first day of the 80s cruise and my trivia partner is already missing. Brad, wake up. We're at sea. It's time for trivia. You woke me up from a nap for this? It's our job. It, no, it isn't. This is some kind of mind trick. It's one of your goofy skits to get me to read that gigantic list of bands that's performing on the 2021 Voyage of the 80s cruise. Huh. I, I, I would never do that to you. This is Spearsy, the guy who wears his emotions on his sleeve. Your friend who always has a theory on Supertramp. Dare I say classic, etc., etc. I would never steer you wrong. Oh, uh, How could I have mistrusted you? I'm awake now. Where's trivia? Well, it's on deck four. But not for another ten months. Right now, I just need you to read the list of bands on the cruise. Uh, I knew it. This isn't even my cabin, is it? Sound effects, dude. Just read the list. Okay, here we go. The Human League, 38 Special, Belinda Carlisle, Berlin, Morris Day and the Time, ABC, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, Modern English, Jack Russell's Great White, Dire Straits Legacy, A Flock of Seagulls, The Alarm, Sugar Hill Gang, and Johnny Hates Jazz. MTV original VJs, Nita Blackwood, Mark Goodman, and Alan Hunter return along with us, your friends from Stuck in the 80s, who will host trivia, conduct live podcasts, and write more crazy skits like this until you all agree to come along. If you've never been on an 80s cruise, we have a special promo code for you. It works for first-time cruisers only. Get $200 cabin credit if you use the promo code STUCK when booking. You must use the promo code at the time you book, and you must be a first-time guest on the cruise. Find out more at www.the80scruise.com. Now on with the show. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. Everybody have fun tonight. (laughs) Everybody wang chung tonight. (laughs) The movies. Yes! 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 Oh! 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 I'll have what she's having. And the parties. No one in my family ever drinks. That's great. You've probably never run out of ice your whole life. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Brad in L.A. And Spearsy here in the FLA. <laughs> and today we turn the clock tower hands back to 1982 to talk about the songs that made it all the way to number two on the charts. But no further. Save the clock tower! Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media Mobile app. I have only one thing to say to you today. It's a jungle out there. You gotta look out for number one, but don't step at number two. Hey everybody, we're back today with our Close But No Cigar series of shows about tunes we love from our beloved decade that climbed the chart all the way to number two, but oddly never reached the mountaintop. Hold on, wait a minute, wait one second, I think I'm onto something here. This is pure snow! It's everywhere! 
Have you any idea what the street value of this mountain is? As always, we should probably give a shout out to Chuck Coverley, our good friend, who approached us with this list, this database, this spreadsheet of songs dating back to the 60s, that uh, maybe even the 50s, that had reached number two on the chart and gotten no further. And it's a, it's a fun way to kind of go through the history of music during our decade and and hear the stories behind like these tunes that you know we all know by heart it's just a giant but, pile uh, of free content for which we are so grateful <laughs> yeah to me it's always it's always interesting to like you know there's no way the song wasn't number 1 but what the hell kept it out you know and so and then you you just it's sometimes it's like oh well that's no brainer right you know? yeah. michael jackson kept out so and so big surprise yeah but every once in a while there's a surprise so this week we've got six songs from the year 1982. Now, these oh. were songs that reached number two in 1982. They're not all songs from 1982, as, right. as I will explain very early on. Yes. But I am so excited about this list because this is this is the year we turn 15, 1982, which, as I am on the record as stating, that is the golden age of everything. So all these yeah. songs are fantastic. So just if you catch me saying this is a great song, just... Slap me through the podcast, and I'll try to provide some more directed commentary because all these songs are great. Yeah, 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 yeah. oh yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Hey, by the way, I have to ask you: Have you been following on YouTube? There's that content provider called I think it's called the Hood Internet, and they're doing these. I think it's 50 songs in three yes. minutes for each year. Yes. So everybody I know is sending me links to those too. So it's been fun. Yeah, yeah. I think it starts in '79 and goes all the way. I don't know where it goes. I need to, to go I'm, back I'm and listen to those. Listen. Yeah, but the thing that I notice is they've somehow auto-tuned them all to be the same key. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> anyway, I would love to get them on the show and have them talk about the challenge of that because yeah, that would be interesting. Just the logistics of it, and then and then at the same time pulling together their videos, which are pretty amazing as well. Yeah. So yeah, they do a great job. Something to think about if you haven't seen it, you're probably not a real '80s fan because it's literally on Facebook every day. And but just go onto YouTube and search for the Hood, and you'll see them. Each video has the the year in really big, you know, numerals. You can't miss it. Yeah. Anyway, let's get started with this week's show. I've got the first song. This song reached number two on February 27, 1982. Perhaps you remember it? That's Open Arms by Journey, of course. I, I think that that's one of those songs where if you don't know it, you just have to turn and just yeah. go find another podcast. Why, why are you here? I mean, yeah. we, we want to we be welcoming to you, podcast audience, but if you don't know this song, I'm not sure what you're getting out of this because it's not the scintillating conversation. <laughs> yeah. Cast your mind back to late 1981. Journey has a, a bit of a shakeup in their lineup. They add Jonathan Kane as the keyboard player and a, a lyricist, songwriter. And so he comes on board. 
and they come out with the album Escape. And Escape is wildly successful for a band that was already kind of climbing the hill pretty fast. Yeah, they were on the cusp, but Escape was right. an undeniable Put powerhouse. Oh, yeah. Sure. Open Arms was written by Steve Perry and Jonathan Cain. It might have been one of the first songs they wrote together. I have to go back and think about that some more. Oddly enough, it also appears in the soundtrack to the animated movie Heavy Metal. It does? That's right! It does, yes. Weird. Neil Sean of Journey reportedly hated the song and like badgered Perry and Kane during the recording of it and did not want to play it live. Hmm. But the band went out on the supporting tour for Escape, and on the very first night they play this song, the crowd goes nuts. After the show, Neil goes, oh, man, that song kicked ass, and they've been playing it ever since. So, The will of the people <laughs> have spoken. Yeah, yeah. VH1 called it the best power ballad of all time. I don't know if it's that good. Yeah, but it's I mean it's it's in the conversation. You you're you're not saying sure. you're not saying you're going, "Well, I, you know, clearly these 18 power ballads are better." You're like, "Okay, well that would be in the mix." Sure, yes, of course. It remains so far the band's highest charting single, which I think a lot of people really? would be surprised by. Yeah. Who's crying now same album went to number 4. I I can't stand Who's Crying Now. I I didn't like it back then. Separate Ways, Worlds Apart got to number eight. And then Don't Stop Believing, which you would assume would be their big one, only got to number nine. Well, boy, that one's still earning them boatloads of royalty (laughs) cash. So maybe it didn't chart as well, but it's uh, bankable all the way. Anyway, oddly enough, Journey is in the news again this week. You might remember from about a month ago, Neil, Sean, and Jonathan Cain fired Ross Valerie and Steve Smith, their longtime bassists and drummers. They announced over this last weekend that Randy Jackson, the American Idol host who performed with Journey in the late 80s, he's returning to the band. Hmm, okay. And they have a new new drummer and an additional keyboardist for whatever that's worth. Well, yeah, it's hard to push all those buttons at once, so we're going to get someone in here to help push the buttons. <laughs> exactly. So you might be wondering, what kept out Open Arms from the top spot? Two songs, actually. Uh, Centerfold by the Jake Hiles Band. Oh, yeah. A song about pornography. So why was it that my parents didn't like me sing it around the house? I'm not so sure. Mm. Why was young Spearsy so <laughs> foolish as to think he could sing that song around the house? I don't know. It's either that or Dead Kennedy songs. Uh, um, too drunk to By f- the way, um, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like that song either. My mom was offended by the band name, Dead Kennedys. So well, sure. I mean, that's kind of the whole, everything that's was the whole thing they're going for there. They, yeah. They, they, they I don't hit think she spots. still understands the idea. By the way, uh, the AV Club website did a ranking of the top 20 songs about porn. <laughs> okay. I, I want to work wow. for them. Why don't we do... That's, there's a show for us right there. Yeah. Centerfold was number one. Other 80 songs on the list. Uh, you'll be happy to know, Brad, that Devo made the list with Penetration in the Centerfold. <sighs> you know, that's such a fringe pick. No one had heard that song in the 80s. It wasn't released until... I mean, it wasn't widely released until the CD era when people started mining their back catalog and Devo released Devo hardcore albums with some early recordings. I mean, it's, it is a song about pornography, no two ways about it, but that's a stretch to put it on any list of things yeah. people have heard. Yeah. yeah. And of course the cure had a song called, well, pornography. I know so, it when I see yeah. it. There was, there were several other 80s songs and I think it is kind of worth considering, mm. you know, doing a show. We'll do a, a that. stuck in the eighties after dark episode. Hey, Roaring, you're going to and, uh, in Tom's penis. Yeah. 
We haven't done one of those in a long time. It could be our second episode with a parental advisory tag on it. What's the first one? Uh, interview with comedian. Oh, Andrew Dice Clay. Andrew Dice Clay, yeah. I remember that now. Uh, the other song that kept it out, I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, which, of course, is actually a cover song uh, originally recorded in 1975 by a group called The Arrows. What do you got, Brad? What's your number two gem? Steve, do you have the beat? No, Steve. The Go-Go's. The Go-Go's got the beat. Uh, when you hear the song, do you immediately think about the beginning of Fast Times at Richmond High? It, it does jump in there, I have to say. It does jump in there. My real question here, though, is what's the deal with the apostrophe in the Go-Go's name? Why is the Go-Go apostrophe S? Why? It just Why? looks better. It doesn't. It looks better. No, it doesn't. It does. You're wrong. How can it be bullshit to state a preference? <laughs> Tune in next week on Arguing About Punctuation, where Brad and Steve discuss semicolons. Okay, moving on. This song, first single off their debut album. Steve, what is that album title? Beauty and the Beat. Which I was listening to today while I was doing notes and taking my sweet time because you're texting me like, hey, are you done yet? Are you through yet? I'd forgotten how good an album that is. The song had been released as a single in the UK in 1981. They had toured the UK uh, supporting Madness. They had some success there, but they re-recorded it for this album. I've never heard the original version. I can't imagine it's much different. First single, first album, it goes to number two. Spends 10 weeks in the top 10. It's hard to feel too bad for them about that, right? I mean, it's just a harbinger of success to come for them. Sure. Three weeks in the Andrew Ridgely, not quite there, close but no cigar, number two spot. That's not a bad run for your first time out. This song is really, really short. It comes in at two minutes and 33 seconds, you know, when you are in a hurry and can't be bothered to write an actual three-minute pop song. And the so-called guitar solo in the middle is a pentatonic scale up and down <laughs> calling this strip down is probably the right place to put it but in spite of that or maybe because of that this is a quintessential new wave hit when you hear that drum start you know what you're getting and you turn it up i don't know if i think of them as being new wave artists but i, I guess that's what they are where would you put them i'm curious in that weird sort of California category, you know, a lot of stuff that was on K-Rock, but not quite, they're not modern, well, they're kind of like modern English new wave sort of thing. I don't know. It doesn't okay. matter. Labels yeah. don't matter to me, but okay. it's just one of those weird things. So what kept it out of the number one spot? Well, one other thing, since this is 1980, the 1982 list, I want to talk about the video because we're getting into the MTV era. The official video is a live performance that was filmed at Palos Verdes High School in December of 1981. And interestingly, it's not a lip sync. If you watch the official video, it is a legit live performance. I'll have to check that out. I haven't seen that video in eons. Yeah. What kept this gem out, as we like to call these songs? It's I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Oh, boy. What a bully. We haven't heard the last of her... <laughs> You know, I know that Joan Jett is an important musician in rock and roll and an important female rock and roller, but I have to say I've always taken some points off for all the covers. That's fair. You know, message me if I, you I feel differently. Off. 
I take points off because I I asked to interview her like ten years ago, and and uh, her management said no. So some things I don't forget or forgive. They sent me some free CDs though. They're like, oh, here's some free CDs. Give them to your friends. Give them to your podcast friends. Your little friends. <laughs> We're gonna barbecue tonight. You want to invite your little friend? <clears throat> I forget. I forget what album that was, but you'd have to go back and look. I, I don't. I don't guess she's had too many new albums in the last fifteen years. Yeah. Somebody who's still putting out new music though. He had an number two hit song in 1982. On May 22nd, Rick Springfield achieved that dubious achievement with this song. Don't talk to strangers. That's good advice, I'd say. How do you meet people if you never talk to strangers? Then how am I supposed to ever meet anybody? Well, it'll just happen. Like the way I met your father. People who um, run down Rick Springfield, like I, I get that his fans are a little on the obnoxious side. <laughs> they, they can, can be. Like, they his, can be. His hardcore fans, like his really hardcore, the Rick Chicks, they call themselves. I, I get that they're... An annoyance, but he's always been like a friend of the show. One of the very first in-person podcasts we ever did was with Rick Springfield. I've seen him probably three or four times perform. And back when he was doing a straight 80s set, this song would always make the the, the set list. Nowadays, the last time I saw him anyway, it, it was like three quarters of the set was new stuff. And then he did like a medley. Of his right. Sets, which, like, I know you're here to hear these songs. So let me just run you through like, you know, eight bars yes. of each one. Right. I have a problem with that. I, I have so. to say, I think we saw that same set because that was on the cruise a couple of years ago. And yes, it was. I, I was kind of, I kind of came into it ready to hate it. And I liked a set. Yeah, it was fine. It just wasn't what I was expecting. You sure. Know, it's like, I, you went I to a restaurant, you served yeah. me chicken. You went to a restaurant that's known for steaks and they brought you a piece of chicken. Might have been a very exactly. good piece of chicken, but it wasn't what you were expecting. <laughs> Anyway, in 2014, in Variety Magazine, Rick Springfield talked about this song specifically, and he, he gives us the backstory to it. I, I, I don't expect that every st- great song he's ever had has a great backstory. This one has an interesting one. He said, quote, It was a song to my girlfriend, who's my wife now, because I was being a bad boy on the road, and I was nervous that she was doing the same thing. I never... Uh, had marriage on the radar until I met Barbara. She's the reason I'm still alive. Back then, I was scared that she was around because I was doing the same thing. Strangely enough, I had originally titled Jesse's Girl, Don't Talk to Strangers, and then I came up with a better title. Hmm. Interesting. I like that. That's a good story. He didn't technically say but I'm just not in the mood to use the the thing so early in the show. Oh, I just was going to all <laughs> anyway. I'm just going <laughs> to uh, what song kept it out of the top spot, you might ask? Ebony and Ivory by Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder. Oh, oh. Yeah. That's one of those ones where you're like, really? Really? I don't want to say too much about the song. It was, it was never one of my favorites. Although it's... You're just going to rile me 80s. up. You're just going to rile me up if yeah. we talk too much about this. The song was recorded. They did record the song together. Then they recorded their video parts separately. And the title was inspired by uh, McCartney hearing the British-Irish comedian, playwright, actor Spike Milligan say, quote, 
black notes, white notes, and you need to play the two to make harmony, folks. So there you go. Although I think that had been around as a... Inspired words from a man who knows how to ski. Yeah, exactly. I think that phrase had been around since the 1920s, but there we go. Hey, gang. How's the quarantine diet working for you? Last night I had a whole box of White Castle cheeseburgers, so I could tell you I need a little help. That's why we're telling you about a new sponsor, Awaken 180 Weight Loss. As your doctor has probably told you, a healthy diet can boost your immune system. And in the crazy time that we're living through, there's a lot of advice out there on how to stay healthy. For example, do not drink the bleach. Oh. <laughs> really should be common sense by now. Mm. Instead, consider a service like Awaken 180 Weight Loss. With Awaken, you get weekly one-on-one virtual coaching, the tools, and the foods, all from the comfort of your home. So make the most of your quarantine time and visit the website for weight loss. Awaken180weightloss.com. And we're back, and we're still going through our songs from 1982 that reached number two, but no further. Brad, you're up. What do you got? Okay, here we go. I'm going to drop a little not quite yacht rock, not quite rock rock. The output of probably the finest collection of studio musicians to ever record four or five albums together. It's Rosanna by Toto. Rosanna sat at number two for the entire month of July 1982. Wow. Five weeks. What were you Jeez. doing in July of 1982, Steve? It was the summer before your sophomore year in high school. Summer before my sophomore? I was, well, I wouldn't have had a driver's license yet. My job would have been like You're on that. your huffy? Would have, riding around the neighborhood? No. I used to go one night a week at midnight to help... Um, put together the St. Pete Times. Your first newspaper job. Yeah, yeah. I put the, all the inserts into the Sunday paper and wrap them up, put them in a bag, you know, do that 500 more times until 4 in the morning and then Rinse get repeat. paid 20 bucks. <laughs> Woohoo! <Yeah>. I'm rich. <laughs> well, I mean, back then, 20 bucks, you know. 20 bucks, yeah. Plus, I think I got $10 for mowing the lawn, so 30 bucks a week when you didn't have to pay for gas or when you insurance. you had no expenses, or, yeah. Maybe you bought one album that month. That was pretty sweet. I mean, I was. Let's. Yeah. I wouldn't mind going back and reliving uh, July 1982 again. I guess maybe Toto feels differently. Well, I don't know. I mean, a number two hit is nothing to sneeze at. Steve Porcaro and Steve Luthaker, many Steves in this podcast, have described this as the ultimate Toto track. Yeah. It's not entirely about Roseanne and Darquette, as is just rumored to the point where it's just accepted as fact that the song is about Rosanna Darquette, who was dating Steve Porcaro at the time. Uh, David Pache wrote the song, and he says it's based on many girls he knew. Uh, <laughs> That's you know, probably a, not the way to sell it. A Pache pastiche, perhaps? Darquette oh. played along with the joke. She said in an interview that the song is about her showing up at 4 a.m. and bringing them juice and beer to their recording sessions. <laughs> juice and beer. Nice. Yay. Okay. I think this is my least favorite single off of Toto 4, but you can't deny it is a big, big track. Let's talk about the video some more, though. It's got a West Side Story vibe to it, how the band describes it. it honestly, it looks like it's shot on a soundstage with a bunch of chain link fences dividing everybody up. But 
more importantly, it features two actors that would dance together in an iconic 1987 movie. Do you know what movie that is, Steve? Uh, yeah, Dirty Dancing. Yeah, Cynthia Rhodes plays the Rosanna character, and Patrick Swayze is one of the backup dancers. So they danced together in Rosanna before they got down in Dirty and Dirty Dancing. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't mind this song. I, I, I don't change the channel when it comes on. I mean, I don't, I don't change any channel. I, I listen to like, I mean, it's Sirius XM, and it's no Africa. <laughs> No, but I've almost heard of Africa enough times now. I, I, That's again, not possible. I don't, turn the, I don't turn it off. It's impossible. <laughs> you can't hear Africa it's ten impossible. times. You could listen to Africa ten times in a row, and it would come on again. And you'd say, oh, hey, I like this song. I don't know. We'll see about that. Okay. So what kept it out of the number one spot? It took the power of two separate songs to keep Rosanna out of the top spot. Don't You Want Me by The Human League and I the Tiger by Survivor. Nice. Yeah. Both of these songs are, are serious 80s anthems, but only one of them makes my left eye start to twitch. Do you know which one that is, Steve? I'm going to say Don't You Want Me. That is a good guess, but it is incorrect. <laughs> okay. I had a 50-50 chance. You okay. did. So Eye of the Tiger, you remember the video game Rock Band? Yeah. So there's a version of that game where Eye of the Tiger is the first song that you can pick, right? And one... Mm-hmm. This has been 10 years ago. We went away for the weekend with some friends and families, and all the kids were playing rock band all weekend, and they just kept playing <laughs> that song over and over and over. Oh, I can't, I can't hear that song anymore. Mm. Yeah, no, I've never had that. We have now, though. They just arrived in the mail last weekend. Karaoke Revolution. I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast before. Karaoke Revolution came for my PS3 because I still use a PS3, which came out, what, I don't know, 15 or 20 years ago. And so we have that. And so I've been warbling through uh, Man on the Moon by REM. That's the one I get the highest score for. But we also just bought a couple of other supplement DVDs. And Uh one of them has Don't You Want Me and Eye of the Tiger. So really, I'm going to play that maybe tonight. Yeah. Yeah, and there's one that's just entirely Queen songs. Oh, okay. So one of these nights, Those it's going to get really weird here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't, I don't expect it to do very good. But one of these nights, the fiance and I are going to get liquored up and and, <laughs> and do some karaoke. Bust out some so karaoke. I don't sing karaoke in the United States. I only sing karaoke when I'm out of the country. We we were going to do it on the cruise this year, but. We didn't like the venues for it on the boat. They, 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 but then they, they had it once or twice. They had it in the Star Lounge where we used to always have our trivia. Yeah. And that was nice because that was a good, nice size venue. But Well, and the thing um, I've noticed, I mean, if you're a, like a casual karaoke person and you think, oh, I'm going to go do some karaoke, you are going to get – you're going to be so far down the clipboard, they're never going to get to you because there are people that – like that's a lot of what they're there for. You know, they really are, yeah. are really are into it and are really ready to bring it, which is great. Look, yeah. ha- have a good time. Do do it however you want to do it. I could see how it might be a little intimidating for someone who's like, oh, I kind of like the song. I want to do karaoke. We should do a whole list of 80 songs that you should never do karaoke to. And one of them at the very top of it should be Come On Eileen. Yeah. I tried that once at an empty bar. And and the place actually went out of business the lyrics during the song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it should have. But the the lyrics are coming across the screen. I'm like, is that seriously what the words are? Two right, even with them in front of your face. What? Oh, it's really hard. It's ridiculous. Anyway, speaking of karaoke, this song would not be hard to do at all. 
In fact, I think it's burned on the back of all of our brains. Uh, this one's from John Cougar Mellencamp from uh, August 7th, When you hear the term John Cougar, no, I that's who he is to me. He's John Cougar. I don't know. He's to me, he's just John Mellencamp. Now. That's John fine. Mellencamp. I mean, I don't but know. what's in a name? A lot. Apparently, he hated it so much he got rid of it. But it was one of those things where it was John Cougar, then it was John Cougar Mellencamp, then it was John Mellencamp, and then it's like John Mellencamp, don't ever ask me about John Cougar again, kind of thing. Touchy, touchy. Anyway, in August. Uh, Hurts So Good went to number two on the charts. It was written by Mellencamp, Cougar, <laughs> who <had the> t- <laughs> along with his friend uh, George Green. They basically sat there exchanging lines back and forth for like five minutes, and then uh, John says he wrote the music in a few seconds. And that does not shock me in the least. <laughs> That's a pretty straight-ahead rocker. But this song was so, so overplayed on MTV. I don't dislike this song. I mean, it's an 80s song. It's an important 80s song. It has a video with dominatrixes in it, so who are dancing on a lunch <laughs> counter. And f- <laughs> As all of the best so, videos do. Yeah. So it, it was one of, I think it was one of the first hits he had off, off of that first album. So that, you know, good for John. Go back and watch the video, though. It's just, it's a little painful. It just, it's just a little painful. Not as painful, probably, as being kept out of the number one spot, which they were. By Eye of the Tiger, again, your favorite mm. song. Here's a, here's a trivia one for you, Brad. Are you ready for this? Yep. Uh, we all know that Eye of the Tiger was the theme song for Rocky Three, but it wasn't Sylvester Stallone's first choice to be the theme song. Do you know what his first choice was? No, I don't. Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. Huh. Couldn't get their permission. Could, didn't get their permission, I, so. Mm, no. I think I think that I don't think uh, I the Tiger is better. Yeah. Sometimes as, things just work out the way they're supposed to. As twitchy as it makes me, I don't think that another one bites the dust works in that spot. So we've got one more song, right, Brad? Yes, we do. And I'm going to play it for you right now, Steve. It's Laura Branigan's cover of Gloria. Casual fans and other fans and fans may remember we talked about this last November on episode 527 when we were talking about songs that had the same name. So I talked about this and U2's Gloria. So I just took all my notes from that show and copied them over because Steve was messaging me like, hey, when are you going to finish? Are you ready? Why is he taking you so long? Because I'm wandering around the internet looking at stuff. Leave me alone. Nevertheless, this song was number two for three weeks in late 1982, starting in late November. It's the second single from Laura Branigan's 1982 debut. 
and it earned her a nomination for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. Did she win, Steve? No, she did so. not win, and so the United States fell <laughs> deeper into the Great Depression. No, she lost to Melissa Manchester, <laughs> and you should hear how he talks about you. Uh, <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. Sorry. <laughs> Let's talk about the video, because I don't have anything else to say about the song that I didn't already say on episode 527. The video is really dull. I'm not sure why they bothered. It's just her on an empty soundstage that's kind of set dressed to look like a down market dance show set. It's got some panels and some mirror balls and the whole, the entire thing is painted taupe. Like it is the most boring thing to look at. And she is obviously lip syncing. Like she's just kind of smiling through it and kind of lip syncing into the mic. I'm like, uh, mm. nothing there, nothing there for the video. So this obviously charted on its own merits as a song and not because it had a hot video on MTV. Wow. Oh. 1982 videos weren't still i mean i didn't have mtv in 1982 so ah, neither did i sadly as we discussed last year laura brannigan passed away in 2004 she had a previously undiagnosed brain aneurysm oh, those are the worst kind yeah she'd been having headaches for several weeks before she passed away but she had not gone to the doctor now, Steve, I probably said this on the last show, too. I am not a doctor in real life or on TV, but I think two weeks of headaches might be something worth going to see a doctor about, even in these times. Probably. Yeah. Um, Speaking of doctors, well, what kept this out of number one, Steve? Are you curious? Too bad. I'm going to tell you anyway. Of course. It's the whole point of the show. Two songs kept this out of number one. Truly by Lionel Richie and Mickey by Tony Basil. Sure it's not Basil? <laughs> I don't know. It's Tony <laughs> Pizza Topping. No, stop it. Stop it. That's just that's a really old joke going back like 12 years. I feel like we've talked about this several times, but I'm pretty sure we played Truly in my marching band. Oh, yeah. yeah. My band director seemed to have two musical loves, Lionel Richie and John Philip Sousa. Well, we have uh, his greatest hits CD, and we have the... Um, what's the other one? Tuskegee. Tuskegee. <laughs> I was about ready to call it Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Obligatory t- Tuskegee reference. That's That'll get us um, minus six but, downloads. Yeah. We've been playing those pretty much quite a bit in the car. Um, so, yeah, I, Lionel Richie. I, I, I've not seen him yet in concert, but I, I, w- I would actually like to go see him at some point. Yeah, maybe we've talked about this. When he announced his residency in Vegas a couple years ago, I just thought that was a deadlock. Yeah. I suggested it to Katie, and she's like, no, nah, I'm not that into him. So Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, which surprised um, me. I didn't have a, a fiance at the time. All I had was my mom, and she did like to go to Vegas. And I tried to talk her into going to see Lionel Richie, but uh, she wouldn't go for that. And we no ended can up going do. to see Blue Man. <laughs> we saw Blue Man Group instead. Okay. <laughs> It was fine. Well, just so Tony Basil doesn't feel completely left out, uh, I will say that she was dating Jerry Casale, who uh, founded Devo and was the bassist, when this album and song were recorded. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know what else we dissect about now? The The Seggies. Ah, the haunting refrain that is known as I Want My Mystery TV Theme Song. Uh, We'll play a snippet of a theme song from the 80s. If you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for the postal-friendly bottle opener. Mm. 
just love saying so that. satisfying uh it is i've been using it a lot a lot lately i over the over this weekend we're recording this over a holiday weekend i don't even know why i'm sharing this story i feel there's a certain amount of shame associated with it oh good here we but go I bought, I bought a i bought a six pack of hard cider or okay. sparkling cider whatever those things are called and they're not twist off caps you need a bottle opener and lo and behold i remembered that brad had sent me about six or seven postal friendly bottle openers yes indeed and they do the trick quite nicely yeah so I can um, I can I can report that they work as advertised, and they'll fit in the uh, in a credit card slot in your wallet if for some reason you need to oh, carry around a postal friendly bottle opener bottle in open. your pocket. What is the weirdest thing you have in your wallet? Do you have anything weird in your wallet? Um, <laughs> That's a new segment. What What's weird in your what's wallet? Weird? <laughs> um, I have like some email recovery codes in there. It's probably the strangest thing I have in there. Um. I go to great lengths to not have stuff in my wallet. Like I don't like having this big honking, you know, three inch thick billfold thing that I sit on. Yeah, no, I try to keep it thin too. I have, I don't think there's anything weird per se. I have, I don't think I even have any pictures in there. I have no pictures in mine. I have my, I do have my global entry card in there, (laughs) you know, which my global entry card. I need about once every 18 months right now. May never need it again. My, and my Disney pass, my pass for Disney, is in there. So, just in case I'm at work one day and someone says, "Hey, you know what? Let's just let's pop go over to Disney, Disney for lunch today." Okay. Yeah. So it's in there with me. So that's so it's it seemed like a good question at the time, and now I'd like to take it. All I'm back. sorry, I don't have a satisfying it, answer. I have the actually, I have the no, nuclear codes for the country of uh, Uzbekistan. Yeah, they trusted me yeah. with those. Well, if someone's got something weird in their wallet, if you if please you, don't tell us. Please don't tell us. <laughs> yeah, no, I want to know. Better you had to take a photo. Anyway, here was the mystery TV theme song from two episodes ago. That's the theme song to Wiz Kids. Brad, did you watch this show? No, I'd never heard of this show. But reading about it, I'm like, this is right up my alley. This show was actually yeah. made with me in mind. I showed them. I didn't watch it. Ha! <laughs> yeah, I don't remember it at all. <clears throat> anyway, we were in the minority. We had some winners. Why don't you read them? Winners this week include Papa Smurf in Harrison, Ohio, Win from Los Angeles, Tom Corn in Austria, Anonymous Dave in Texas, Jeremy in St. Pete, Charles Parker, Peter Ryan in Montreal, Stephen Halifax, Chris Cooling from the Forgotten TV podcast, who just did a three-part podcast series on WizKid, Crispy Critter, and David Sensei in Tokyo, who writes, I'm going to take a guess and say that's the theme to WizKids. I don't remember much about the show, except that it made computers seem like they could do a lot more than what my Commodore 64 could do, or at least what I could do on my Commodore 64. Anyway, I hope you guys are doing okay in quarantine. We're not in full lockdown in Japan, but in typical Japanese passive-aggressive fashion, we're allowed to go out, but there's basically nothing but essential places open, especially in the evening. So for all intents and purposes, I'm stuck at home, just like I'm stuck in the 80s. Yeah. Certain amount of truth to that. Yeah. Well, let's spin the wheel and find out who wins the bottle opener. Okay, here we go. Oh, nice spin. All this time in quarantine, I can see you've still been working on your upper body work. Uh, I do need to do some of that. I've been running a lot. But... Yeah. 
Uh, running is always good. Uh, looks like it's going to land on Papa Smurf in Harrison, Ohio. I don't know where Harrison, Ohio is. I like like I've said before, I'm familiar with Cincinnati, Columbus, and Cleveland, but that's it. So tell us where Harrison is, Papa, when you when you write us in with your postal address. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery TV theme song. You and me together. If you know it, email us at podcast at sits.com and tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. This is the animal. Uh. And this is the Minolta office system with TLC, the type and learn concept that makes it easy to train even an animal. He's already typing neat letters. He's got a firm grip on word processing and now he's tearing up the computer. Well, Mr. Animal, did we prove our point? Yeah, everybody ought to have one. I'd listen to him. The new PCW-1 easy-to-learn office system, only from the mind of Minolta. And we're back. We have just a few minutes left. I thought we'd play a game of Please Please Tell Me Now. Please Please Tell Me Now. Please Please Tell Me Now. This week's letter comes from Garrett in Houston, who writes, Stephen Brad, your podcast has been a great source of peace during these last few months. Aww. Thanks for keeping it going. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. The last few months have also provided some good time to reflect on our favorite decade while catching up or rewatching our favorite movies and songs. Amen, brother. Anyway, PPTMN, what are a few of your most 80s triggers, a.k.a. sights or sounds that take you back to the 80s? Mine look like this. The intro to Power of Love. St. Elmo's Fire theme song a Karate Kid movie poster, any image of a TRS-80 computer, and pretty much anything from the movie Space Camp. Oh, What the hell? Okay. Oh, well, he's from Houston. Houston. So maybe. Oh, maybe. Uh, maybe that's it. Maybe Garrett in Houston weird. is actually uh, another one of our cruise friends who is touting Could be. Space Camp. <laughs> so please, please tell me now, what about you guys? Stay well, Garrett in Houston. Hmm. Uh, for me... I don't know if I have six, but um, the intro melodies to Pac-Man and Galaga video games, when you yeah. uh, start those up, the beginning to the Duran Duran song Reflex, you know, and then there's a poster out there, or at least there used to be, showing a guy with a glass of champagne standing next to some expensive, what I imagine is a British car, like probably a Rolls Royce, and underneath it is the headline, Poverty Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and you see it in the movie Class. It's on the dorm room wall for Rob Lowe's character. And because I loved that movie so much and because it was the 80s, I had a version of this, that poster on my wall in college too. So whenever I see that, and it's still, like I said, it's still around. I, I know I can, I looked it up on the internet today. Those those remind me of, uh, those are my triggers for the 80s. What about What about you, Brad? Yeah, it's it's funny that he would mention the TRS-80 stuff. I have similar problems. Uh, actually, I found a web page that has an emulator for my old computer, and just loading it up and seeing the like the little launch screen, you know, extended basic, Tandy, color basic, whatever, and the little blinky cursor, like oh, oh. So that's one of them. It took me a minute to come up with the song that I think is the like the trigger. I just need to hear the first couple bars of it, and it's. Go time and Panama by Van Halen really fits that bill for me. Yeah, I'm not a huge Van Halen fan, but that song, it's just there's something about it. Sure. And we'll continue on the car theme. There, there's a 
a certain smell that old British cars have. And when I open the trunk of my Spitfire, I get this smell off of it that's like, you know, million-year-old grease and dirt and paint and off-gassing hundred-year-old vinyl that, oh, it's just, mm, it's the smell that my first car smelled like. And it just takes me back. And it smells very evocative, I think. So you're going to laugh at me now. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no. I mean, my, the, the smell I associate with my first car is is duct tape, the smell of duct tape. So... <laughs> anyway hey uh that's all the time we have for this week we hope you enjoyed our look back at the number two songs from 1982 everyone out there please stay safe we'll get through this era of our lives together in one piece if we do it right we'll get this beat in the meantime brad and i remain here hopelessly stuck in the 80s Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app. Yeah. Yeah. Did you say clock? You said clock tower hands, right? Save the clock tower!